In the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 18, this will be the keynote of our text. I'm going to broaden out the text and read more verses, but I'll first mention verse 18. This is Jesus doing the writing. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you will see this is in red letter. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, which is the title of the lesson. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We want to learn what he meant by what he said. We want to learn what led up to that comment or statement that Jesus made. So therefore, would you please go back to verse 13. Matthew 16, we're going to begin verse 13. The word of God says the following. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say I, the son of man, am? One unique quality that we find here is Jesus said, son of man. He did not say, who do men say I, the son of God, am? He said, whom do men say I, the son of man, am? Jesus was one that during his ministry, he called himself son of man on numerous of occasions. But when God spake from heaven, he let it be made known, this is my son. He did that at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. He did that at the transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1 through 5. Now those passages are not on the board. That was Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 17, 1 through 5, the transfiguration both of which are amazing passages. But here Jesus is saying, I want to know whom do men say that I am. Now, a good conversation is, in, is developing right here. Here's what the Bible said in verse 14. And they said, well, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, they don't have a clue who you are. They don't know. And then the Bible said, but whom say ye that I am? Now it's getting right down the nitty gritty. And he approached Peter with that. He said, I don't know who do you say that I am. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Dear friends, before we're baptized, we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth. We make the confession, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, just like Peter did right here. In Acts 8 and 37, the Ethiopian eunuch in the King James Version, New King James Version, and other versions equal as well, include the text of Scripture where it was stated, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And John 1 and 29, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. My dear friends, we need to look at Jesus as the Son of God, our Lord, our Savior, the Savior of the world. 
We need to look at Jesus as our very best friend, John 15 and verse 13. And Jesus is speaking here, and he's drawing attention, and he's mentioning something here that has never been mentioned before. The church. It's been called kingdom numerous of times, but now he identifies the church. Would you look with me now at verse 17? And Jesus said to Simon Peter and to the others, he said, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This deserves a moment of our time. He praised Peter for his proclamation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. A very wonderful study, enjoyable one to share with other people. And then he said, upon this rock, and that rock is the foundation, the confession that, that Peter made. Upon this foundation, upon this confession, I will build my church. Upon that proclamation that I am the Son of God, upon that I will build my church. He let it be made known what you see as the title on the board. I will build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that mean? What it means is that the gates of Hades, if you have a, a Greek New Testament, you have seen the word Hades. And that is what this English word hell is from the Greek word Hades, the place for departed spirits. Jesus said, I'm alive now, but I'm going to die. And I'm going to go to Hades, but Hades, English word hell, will not prevent me from building my church. He said, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not stop me. Nobody and nothing will stop me. They can kill me. And they're going to do that. They're going to kill me. But I will be back. You remember during his ministry, he said, destroy this tabernacle. In three days, I'm rising up again. It's going to, I'm going to be coming back. And I'm going to be seeing you. I will be back. It is magnificent. When you put yourself in the sandals of Jesus... And you began to think and to walk and to understand what he was going through. It is an amazing passage. My Christian friends, to all of you in this assembly who are members of the Lord's church, the church that Jesus built, you are so very blessed. You've got brothers and sisters in all parts of the world. You've got hundreds and thousands in America. You've got many, many more thousands in Africa and in a variety of parts of the world. It is amazing. You can go to the Philippines. You can go to Australia. You can go to Mexico. You just go all over the place, and there's New Testament Christians. Oh, yes, there's sometimes they're few in number, but they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you read the Bible, if you would read the New Testament, and to those who are members of the Lord's church, then 
and you would put yourself in understanding, that's my brother in Christ. She's my sister in Christ. When they mention men and women, it's just like we today are brothers and sisters. And we love each other. And we hug each other's neck. I love the atmosphere of this congregation. The joy, the love, the warm handshake, the great hugs that people give. It is fabulous. And that's the way it should be. That's the way the Lord wants it to be. Because we are helping each other go to heaven. And we want to build that relationship. Make it strong and make it tight. Because we're members of the Lord's church. I love this. Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, let's pay attention here for a moment. I will build my church. Jesus is laying forth the situation. The church is not built yet. But I will build it. It's still in the future of Matthew 16, 13 through 18. It is still lying in the future. But I will build my church. Death, Hades, it's not going to stop me. Do not give up when I die at Calvary. I will be back. And I'm going to build my church. It is so wonderful to know that the things that Jesus illustrated is exactly what happened Oh, to be a member of the Lord's church is so very important. Jesus could rightly call it my church because it's his. And we realize the Lord has given us the opportunity to be a member of his church. And if you're in this assembly tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel in baptism, according to the gospel of the Great Commission, then you're not a member of the Lord's church. And you don't want to stay in that position. You want to change your status, your spiritual status. And you want to obey the gospel. You do want heaven to be your home. And it's very, very important. Well, as we've studied Matthew 16, 13 through 18, it becomes abundantly clear. Now, we're going to jump quite a bit forward. We studied one night on Acts the second chapter, the day the church was established. We're going to go to Acts 20 and 28. There's two or three very important points here that we need to look at and be reminded of. Lessons like this are a reminder to those who have been in the church for most of their life. But lessons like this will be new information to many people who have not had that luxury. In the book of Acts, the 20th chapter 28, this is a powerful passage. Listen to what the writer said. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Now all the churches within our brotherhood, within our fellowship, we call ourselves Church of Christ. And I'll explain more of why. But many people have gone to this verse and said, see, Church of God. So you could go by Church of God. Well, let's take a look at that. Who is referred to by the phrase Church of God? The very next phrase said, which he has purchased with his own blood. Who purchased it with his own blood? 
Jesus. Jesus is one who purchased it with his own blood. So this word God refers to Jesus. He's the one who purchased it with his own blood. Now you may need that sometime. Just look at the verse and dissect a passage. You know, in a couple of debates we had on the Godhead, it was very important to show and to clearly establish that all three beings and personalities of the Godhead, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three were called God, all three were called Lord, all three were identified as holy. God, Lord, and holy. And you take a good look at that, it begins to come alive that we understand they have a unity. They work together in the debate there on oneness. They're not one person any more than husband and wife are one, but not one person. The disciples of Christ are one, but not one person. Well, here's what we find in looking at Acts 20 and 28. Church of God that word, that phrase refers to Jesus Christ. It is the church of Christ. Now in Ephesians 5 and 25, the word of God teaches here, as you know, when you go to Ephesians 5, men and great preachers preach wonderful lessons on the home, the family, husband and wife, and their relationship together. In Ephesians 5 and 25, the Word of God said it very, very clear. And it shows how much Jesus loved the church. Ephesians 5 and 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for it. I want you to have an appreciation for the church because Jesus died that he could establish the church. He allowed himself to be hung on a cross to be beaten, to be hit with fists, to have a crown of thorns upon his head. He went through every bit of that for you and for me. And he said, Paul wrote about Jesus. He gave himself for the church. Dear friends, there may be a time, and I pray that it's not, but there may be a time that you have to give your life for the church. We can't hardly fathom that. But do you know in Revelation, the second chapter in verse 10, Revelation 2, verse 10, the latter part of this passage, the Bible said, Be thou faithful until death, and I will receive a crown of life, and you shall receive a crown of life. Well, what does that mean? Be faithful even to the point of giving your life. Dying for the Lord. Be thou faithful even unto death. You look at the earlier part of the verse. You see trials and tribulation and challenges are coming by the way of the Christian. I know this can have a twofold meaning. Be thou faithful until the day you die. That's true. But in this passage, he really is referring to that you be willing to lay down your life for the church and for Jesus like he laid down his life for you and the church. So you need to love the church like Jesus did and be willing to do everything within your power and in your might to do the right thing. Would you take another look, please, at Romans, the 16th chapter, 
and verse 16. Romans 16 and verse 16. The Word of God says the following. Now, would you take a good look at the phrase, Churches of Christ? When Paul the Apostle was concluding the great masterpiece of the book of Romans, here's what he said. Now, I'm going to read it from the King James Version. So if you're using a different version, it might word it slightly different, but the meaning would still be there. In Romans the 16th chapter, verse 16, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute ye. I don't like to hear people read this first thing. Now, we don't believe in the holy kiss. Wrong. We better believe in the holy kiss. We don't believe in an unholy kiss. No, we don't practice immorality, unholy kiss. He said, greet one another with a holy kiss. As the custom was in those days, you know, it was very common. And you see that today in the Middle Eastern country. You know, they would kiss on one or both cheeks. It should be a holy kiss. I've seen brothers and sisters, you know, kiss each other on the cheek. It should be a holy kiss. Holy is an adjective describing the kiss. I just don't like to see people read five times in the New Testament about holy kiss and foot washing and all that. They, we don't believe in all that. No, we do believe in it. The holy kiss, not an unholy one. But the point I want to really illustrate is the churches of Christ salute you. Why do they use a plural? If we begin this meeting talking about one way, one body, and one church, why, if there's only one church, did he use a plurality, churches of Christ? Well, let's take a look here at Revelation 1 verse 11, and that will help to clarify it. It's not hard, so don't think it is. Revelation 1 verse 11, Jesus writing the seven churches of Asia, and he says the following. Notice this one passage. It clearly identifies the message we want to talk about. Revelation 1 verse 11 saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. While thou seest writing a book and sitting under the seven churches, plural, which are in Asia. The word churches is used in the plural because it refers to different congregations. Not religion A, B, and C. Not all these religions you see on all the corners of Bakersfield, California. No. And then in this passage, he mentions the seven churches of Asia that were going to receive this letter under the church at Ephesus. Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. He named the seven churches of Asia. So understand, please, remember this. Keep it in your brain. The word churches in the plural. Mentioned in Romans 16, 16. Mentioned in Romans, Revelation 1 verse 11. Churches simply refers to congregations. Because many people in the religious world, they're taught it doesn't matter what church you go to. The recent late Billy Graham, he would say, go to the church of your choice. 
You know what? There's not but one church. And we need to go to the church of the Lord's choice. The Lord has a choice. He has a meaning. He has a purpose. He has a design. He has a plan. I was somewhat appalled at how many people text me or sent me little Facebook private messages and called me on the phone and said, do, do you think Billy Graham is in paradise? I go, do what? You think Billy Graham's in paradise? No. Question that question. Listen, Billy Graham was a false teacher. He was a nice man. He had a nice family. He did a lot of good things. And they would point that out to me. But look at all the good he did. I said, you sound like Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Many would say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works, Billy Graham. Done many wonderful works. But I will say unto you, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of iniquity. God is the final judge. We know that. But according to scripture, one who's the false teacher, who teaches people wrong about salvation, and we're going to talk more about that, Lord willing, in a couple of nights. So you may need to get another dosage of this part right here. Because I want everybody to know that regardless of how good people are, they have to obey the gospel and become a member of the Lord's church, not some religious organization started by man or woman. They need to be a member of the Lord's church in order to be saved. Time is rushing on. i got to move on, too. Christian here. The word Christian is used in three verses in the New Testament. Acts 11 and 26, Acts 26 and 28, 1 Peter 4 and verse 16. Those are the three times the word Christian is used. Acts 11 and 26, we find here, disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. See, a disciple is a learner of Jesus, a follower, a student of Jesus. And those disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, you've heard of Antioch throughout Many lessons in your Bible reading and all that. And then, in Acts 26 and 28, the Word of God teaches about the Ethiopian eunuch as Paul preached to him with all his might. And King Agrippa put it away and put it off and put it off. And he said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I want you to know something tonight. You can be almost persuaded to be a Christian. And if you are, you're not a Christian. In order to be a New Testament Christian, you have to obey the gospel. The gospel plan of salvation. You have to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's part of what it is. To be born again. John 3 verse 7. All these verses just blend together so beautifully. When you read it, it all fits together. And I want everybody to know, to wear the name of Christian is to wear an important name. The Bible said we'll be given a name which is above every other name. It's powerful. 
I want you to believe in Jesus Christ. I want you to follow him. I want you to be a member of his church. And I want you to consider that a tremendous honor. And when you wear the name of Christian, you remember that you're a Christian at work, at school, in your neighborhood, in whatever organization you might be a member of, and you're a Christian at church. You're a Christian everywhere you go. You don't take breaks. You're always a Christian. Even on vacation, 24-7, you're a Christian. And so am I. Because you never know what influence we can have. And I want it to be for the better, not for the worse. Okay, let's take another look at something here. In Mark 8, verse 38, and Luke 9 and 26, these two passages would teach the same thing. You know, when we reference this passage here in 1 Peter 4 and 16, the third time the word Christian is used, he says, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to be a Christian. And then in these two verses, Mark 8, 38, Luke 9 and 26, I want you to remember these. I'm giving you a lot that I want you to remember. But this is so important. This will help to ground you and make you more effective in talking to other people about the gospel. In these two verses here, it teaches, Jesus said, listen, here's the way it's going to work. If you are ashamed of me, then I am ashamed of you. Ouch. Hey, read it. It's there. Mark 8, 38, Luke 9 and 26. If you are ashamed of me, you're ashamed to wear the name Christian. You're ashamed to admit that I'm a child of God, that I'm a member of the Lord's church. If you're ashamed of me in all these ways, I will be ashamed of you. On another note with the same principle, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, this is not on the board, so write it down if you're taking notes. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 32 and 33. Jesus said here in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father which is in heaven. We don't want any part of that. We do not want to be denied. We confess Jesus before men, or Jesus said, I will not confess you for the Father. If you don't confess me for men, I'm not going to confess you. Listen to that. Those are not vain or empty words. These words mean something. If you do not profess Christianity in your life, Jesus said, I will not confess you before the Father. Very similar to what is said here. If you are ashamed of me, then I'm ashamed of you. To wear the name of Jesus Christ in the church, a Christian, the New Testament church, you are a Christian, a follower, a disciple, a learner of Jesus Christ. So therefore, wearing the name of Christ is very, very important. We're going to spend the balance of our time tonight. The church is not. There's a lot of things the church is, but there's some things that's not. And this is a very, very key area of study that will address some of the things that you might be asked. Okay, the church is not your church. 
It's not my church. It is the Lord's church. I know what you mean when you say, well, my church says and my church that. But let me tell you what. That is really not using the Bible terminology that God would have you to do. It's the congregation that you attend. It is the church you're a member of. But it's the Lord's church. Don't ever forget that. And that way we understand. We're going to do, do things the Lord's way. Not my way. Not your way. The Lord's way. And therefore, we need to consider the fact this is the Lord's church. This is a beautiful remodel job you did here. This is amazing beautiful. But let me tell you what, the church is those of you sitting at the benches here. This is the building, beautiful building. A great, comfortable, cool place to worship. I like it cool. I even have a fan here to help that along the way. But I want to tell you something today. I want you to be so thankful to be a member of the Lord's Church that you wear his name, Christian, with pride. And I don't mean pride in a bad way, but with accomplishment, a sense of accomplishment. That you're happy to let people know that I'm a Christian. No, I don't want to go there because I'm a Christian. No, I don't talk like that because I'm a Christian. People are going to know anyway that you're different. Because you don't want to participate in those worldly things. Understand, the church is not your denomination. My denomination. It's not even a denomination. The church is the Lord's church. On the Lord's Day morning, when we gather around the Lord's table to observe what we call communion, the Bible uses that term, breaking of bread and the Lord's Supper. We're invited by the Lord to assemble around his table to commune together with those of like precious faith, to eat of that one loaf that represents the Lord's body at Calvary, to drink out of that one cup containing fruit of the vine that signifies the blood that sealed and purchased the New Testament and ratified the New Testament. This is very important. It's not the time to balance your checkbook or to clip your fingernails or even to clean your fingernails. Nor to clean out your purse or your wallet. It's time to do what Jesus said. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus knew how we are. We are forgetful people. And if we did not have this to remind us, there is no telling how long we would go at times. And we don't ever think of Jesus. But this is a, a regular, weekly reminder. Now, I'm not saying that's the only time you think of Jesus. But Jesus brings it back to what's really important. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Please make a notation of 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 1 through 4 teaches death, burial, and resurrection. The core gospel of the New Testament church. Denomination here denotes division. A denomination is one who branches off a fort off or divides off from another religious organization. Listen, the church has never been a denomination and it's not one now. The church that Jesus established, understand, when he established the church, 
There was no other religious organization on earth. There wasn't religion A, B, and C. I remember when I left the little town of Houston, Missouri, roughly 2,500 people, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, your little bitty phone book went to about this thick, and you could turn page after page after page after page of different religious organizations. And it's just mind-boggling how people can make up their own set of rules, their own dictates, and people will follow it. That is amazing to me. When all we're asking people to do is follow the Bible and be a member of the Lord's church. Understand, we, the church has never been a denomination. It never will be a denomination. It is simply the Lord's church. So when people ask you, what denomination are you a member of? What do you say? Oh, church of Christ? Wrong. Bad answer. Have I ever said that? Yes. I shouldn't have, but I did. You know, you, you, know you, you know what they're asking. What church do you go to? That's really what they want to know. You say, well, I'm a member of the church of Christ, the church the Lord established. I'm not a member of any denomination. Now, don't expect them to understand that because they're not. That gives you the opportunity to explain it to them. Say, no, I'm a member of the church that Jesus died that he might establish. I'm a member of the church that was established in Acts chapter 2. I'm not a member of these denominations that began way after, I mean, hundreds of years and sometimes thousands of years after Jesus established the church. We are not a denomination. Understand that. And if you ever hear somebody in the church say we're a member of a denomination because the church is a denomination, that person is one to watch. They have a mindset that's not in accordance to the word of God. All right, stay with me now. The church is not an afterthought of God. It was not a plan B. Not a plan B. Not this afterthought. It is God's original plan. I just want everybody to know that. The Lord planned this. It was prophesied hundreds of years in advance. This is part of God's great plan. You know, Brother Johnny Elmore wrote a song many years ago, Tis a Part of God's Great Plan. That is a great song. I haven't sung it in quite a while in fourth in church. I haven't don't remember seeing it in song books, but it's in the, some of the older books that Brother Linwood had. And, to the part of God's great plan. That was a great word that Brother Johnny did. And, and I've enjoyed that song through the years. Well, I just want you to understand. It's not your church. It's the Lord's. It's not a denomination in any shape. It's the Lord's church. It's not an afterthought. It's God's plan. Understand, the church in which you are a member of, the Lord's church, is part of God's great plan. And now... Take a hold of here. Now listen, if you have been wondering, come back. I haven't seen anybody wondering, but if you have, come back. We're going to speak a couple more minutes, yeah, five more minutes. I want you to get this point because this is very, very important. The church the Lord established is not Catholic. We are not governed by the Pope. We did not start in Rome, Italy. 
The Church of Christ is not Catholic. That I probably don't have to spend a lot of time on. If you have any question about that, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. My brother Frank, my brother Terry, any of you brethren would be glad to. But I want you to take another look here. The Church of Christ is not Protestant. Now you say, do what? We're not Protestant. You know, I knocked on doors one time for a week in New York. And nearly every home you knocked on, I'm Catholic, boom, they shut the door. And people think you're either Catholic or you're Protestant. Guess what? We're C, neither one. We are not Catholic, we are not Protestant. Look here. Protestant. Protest. We are not Protestant. Why? Because we have never been associated with the Catholic Church. Those who are Protestants, and get a hold of this, those who are Protestants at one time were associated with the Catholic Church. They protested the Catholic Church, and they went out and did their own thing, and they were labeled Protestants. So when people say, are you Catholic or Protestant? You say, see, none of the above. And they say, how's that? You say, I'm simply a member of the Lord's church, the church that Jesus established. That is so very important. And this right here helps give people attention when you say, I'm a member of the church that Jesus built. He said he would build it. He did build it, and I'm a member of it, and you can be too. I want you to have a working knowledge of understanding and being able to explain, are you Catholic, are you Protestant, and what denomination are you a member of, that you're zero, none of those. And then you get their attention and say, no, I'm simply a member of the Lord's church, one established right here in Acts 2. The one that Jesus died that he might establish. The one he gave himself for. That's the one I'm a member of. And you should be too. Now I want you to know something. We would never be as large as these megachurches. We would never be. We would never be an organization, a church, that's going to offer all the little things along the way. We're not having Starbucks in here. And we're not trying to compete with those denominational churches. What we are, we're members of the Lord's church doing things God's will, God's way. And do not be ashamed of the fact that you have 50, 75 people. Be thankful you have 50 or 75 people. It is so important. I love it when the church is continuing to grow through community after community after community. We established another congregation, another congregation. You know, they do this in the Philippines. We do it in Africa. We do it in the United States. It is so important. Listen, be honored and be thankful to your God that you know about the Lord's church. You're a member of this church right here, the church that Jesus said, I will build my church. No, you're not Catholic. No, you're not Protestant. No, you're not a member of a denomination. You're simply a member of the church. Can you imagine how it would have been to be a member of the church 
in the first century. That was the only one. There wasn't a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or whatever scattered around. There wasn't there. They were hundreds and hundreds of years away from ever starting. They were not there. The Catholic Church was 600 plus years away. Wow. Now, it was pretty tough. People said, I would love to live then. No, let me tell you what, it was pretty rough. The persecution was tremendous. I want you to be thankful to be a member of the church today. In this day and time, in your lifetime, and I want you to give the Lord your very best because he gave you his very best. And I want you to make the church, as Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want the Lord to be first for you, for you, for your family, for your people that you influence. Let them know, no, I, we go to church on Lord's Day. We don't go do all that other stuff. Now, Sunday afternoon maybe, but not Sunday morning. We go to church. We worship God. We're going to go support our gospel meeting this week. Sometimes it made the bosses a little bit upset. Hey, but you're attending the Lord's meeting, a revival, a gospel meeting. Dear friends, listen. Be thankful to your God that you know about the Lord's church that's written about in the Bible. Oh, I can say a whole lot more, but I've said enough for tonight. Um, if all goes well, Brother Terry will have this on your um, Facebook and the private Facebook for the congregation maybe as early as tomorrow. We ask you to really think about, maybe go back and re-listen to this sermon because it's going to help you become able to more communicate with people. It's so important. I'm not saying I'm giving you anything brand new because I'm not. If I were, then you probably need to check it out. But we're just reminding you of biblical truths and we're learning how denominationalism communicates with us and how we need to stand our ground in a very solid way and never be ashamed of who you are as a New Testament Christian. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.